0: Nikki and I, my wife and I, have lived uh, in Laguna Canyon on Canyon Acres Drive on the same piece of property for our entire marriage, going on 46 years. (laughs) That's a that's a a long time. That's a long time to be on the same uh, piece of property. And um, during that time, uh, during most of that time, we have enjoyed being a dog owners, which means that we've taken hundreds, literally thousands of walks with our dogs in the canyon, and of course the canyon is surrounded by dense brush and trees and habitat, and uh, I want to show you a picture of our current dog, his name is Big Bear, he's, uh, he was, if you can believe this, we've had him two years, he was a rescue, he was found wandering in the desert in uh, near uh, Barstow the day after the 4th of July. And he had somehow got freaked out by the fireworks and he was never claimed and, and we ended up with, with Big Bear and what a joy that dog's been. So last summer uh, in the evening on a certain night, I was, I take him for a walk every night and um, put the leash on him and we went down the walkway towards the street And just before I got to the street, I saw something move. And it was shimmering. And uh, I had my trusty flashlight in my hand. And I put the flashlight on what was moving. And it was a baby rattler. Well, I've lived on Canyon Acres, like I said, 46 years. I've seen lots of rattlers over the years, which is why I was carrying a flashlight, number one. But had we taken another step, had had I not seen the movement... I'm pretty sure that myself or Big Bear would have uh, would have been bitten, but I, like I said, been in the canyon long enough where I I know I need to stay alert, like that's crucial for me. But there's actually another predator that I'm more concerned about than I am a rattlesnake, uh, because this other predator almost killed the dog that I owned previous to Big Bear. And this is the predator right there, a coyote. And uh, uh, I, I can't give you the full story, but our little, we had a little Pomeranian before we had Big Bear. And one day, Little Bear was barking at the door and charged out the backside of our house. And two coyotes that size were in our backyard. And this funny little dog of ours just charged this coyote. <laughs> and the coyote said, thank you very much, and clomp. Just grabbed Little Bear and was about ready to take off. And I was, I was right behind Little Bear because I didn't know what was all the noise about. And he was about gone. And I didn't know what to do except I charged the coyote and I screamed bloody murder at the coyote <laughs> as loud as I could. And the coyote dropped the dog on the ground and ran off. Uh, unfortunately, a Little Bear had six huge puncture wounds and then he lived about two more years, but it was never the same. The point of this being that, like, I'm on alert uh, with my animals, and I'm on alert. Like, I planted an orchard in my backyard, and I'm careful about snakes. And when I walk the dog now, I'm really careful that a coyote doesn't jump out. I think with I think with this new dog we have, he probably could fend for himself pretty well. But the Heartbeat of our message this morning, the heartbeat of our message is how important it is for us to stay alert. How many of you know it's important in life to stay alert? How about, is it important to stay alert if you are driving a car? Huh? Yeah, you know it is. It's important to stay alert. So I was making a left-hand turn from Canyon Acres onto Laguna Canyon Road a while back, heading for the beach, and the light turned green for me. And like something said to me, don't go. And I hesitated for a minute, and sure enough, a car sped right through the red light about 75 miles an hour. Like if I'd gone, I, there'd been another speaker here this morning. <laughs> and uh, how about raising kids? Are you Any parent here, are you alert when you raise your kids? You know you're alert. So when Nikki, when Micah was born to Nikki in the hospital and, and uh, the doctor placed a little mica on uh, Nikki's chest, you know, and for about two minutes, and then the nurse came in to uh, say, "Well, we've got to wash the baby now and put the little wristband on his wrist, you know?" And, and Nikki gave me orders. She said, "You get up and you follow that nurse right now. I want to make sure that the baby that leaves this room is the same baby that comes back." <laughs> <laughs> because she'd heard stories, you know, about the switcheroo deals. So <laughs> I knew right then that Michael was going to be well taken care of. After he stayed with us in our bedroom for a while, we put him in his real room, you know, on the other side of the kitchen, and Nikki he used to pace, like the first day or two, she'd pace back and forth in the kitchen. And she finally said, I can't stand it. And we, put, and we cut a hole in the, in the kitchen wall so she could look in she said, just want to make sure he's breathing <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're, you're, you're on alert, right? if you're a parent you're on, and you heard me tell the story about the big wheel and, and Micah in and the street a couple of weeks back what else do you need to be alert about? like, how about a pilot flying an airplane, Jeff's back home where's Jeff? There he is, he's back home because some pilot or pilots were careful to make sure that that plane landed correctly and rightly And I was talking to Nikki the other night, well, what else in life do we need to be alert about? And Nikki said, a lifeguard needs to be alert. I thought, well, I could talk to you about a lifeguard, but we have a legend in our church, a longtime lifeguard, Dale Gere, and I've asked him to briefly share with us why a lifeguard needs to be alert, and there's more to it than you think. So I'm going to ask uh, Dale if he'll come forward.
1: that work Okay. Um, I came I grew up inland about 50 miles inland Um, I was a hotshot swimmer in a swimming pool Um, I was a Boy Scout so I got all the merit badges on swimming and life-saving and all the rest of that stuff so when I came here in 1960 I thought that I was pretty well prepared uh, I was a surfer. I had bought a surfboard three months before. Um, the summer before that, I asked people, "What is a surfboard?" Uh, when I came to the beach, I was so dumb; it was a joke. I didn't know what a rip was. I didn't. Uh, I didn't know anything, really. Uh, the tourists, the people on the beach that were locals knew more about what I should be doing than I knew what I should be doing. But I could swim fast. So when they said go, I swam from Main Beach up down around First Reef and into Mountain Road and placed second out of, I don't know, 30 or 40 guys. So I went, well, I made it. My anticipation at that time was all I had to do was look for people that were drowning, swim out, and grab them pull them to the beach, pat them on the back, smile, and get back up in the tower. So for as, as as far as being alert, that was the limitation of what I had anticipated. Fortunately, the chief recognized how dumb I was. So he would come to my lifeguard tower every day, and we would play a game called what if. And in that game of what if, I was to say, well, what if this happened? And then I would explain to him what I would do. And it was uh, pretty simple at first. You know, I, I, My full range was, well, I look for somebody in the water that needs to be rescued, and I swim out and get them. And he said, well, what happens if you have two, and there's one over there and one over there? Or what happens if you have three? Or what happens, what happens, what happens? Um, the original part was just swimming. Then he said, Well, get a little bit more exotic. You know, I think about some other things that might happen. So we talked about heart attacks. We talked about jellyfish. We talked about missing kids. Uh, we talked about missing wives. <laughs> it was amazing how adults can come to the beach and get lost. Uh, today we have signs that point you where to go. Um, then we got more exotic, like. Uh, what happens if a plane falls out of the air what happens if a parachute shows up what happens if you have a broken back what happens what happens and then we would walk through those things the reason being he knew that if I was going to have to think about the answer at the time when it was actually happening all those things happened bombs in the water planes falling out guys jumping out of a perfectly good plane to you know to parachute to the beach only the The wind had shifted since they were here. So now instead of the wind coming towards the beach in the morning, it was going away from the beach. So they wound up like three quarters to a mile out, you know, and with a parachute. Um, So I went through this whole thing of trying to figure out how to be a lifeguard, not knowing anything about what was happening, and taking it one step at a time. During those first two or three years of lifeguarding, I discovered just how poorly we were being trained. I mean, I just, it was terrible. Uh, Taking a kid who could swim fast and giving him adult responsibilities for the first time and sticking him on a beach all by himself with no support and nobody to say, you're making a mistake. So I decided to change that. I developed the junior guard program. They had a little one, but. I developed a better one. I did that for several years, and then I developed what is called a rookie program where the kids on the beach uh, could actually go to Main Beach and be a lifeguard for two years. So by the time I was done, we could hire a kid that came in at eight years old, and we hired him as a lifeguard at 18. So he had 10 years of experience, not like me, walking inland, I'd only been to Laguna Beach once in my lifetime. They my first day they said, go to Woods Cove. And what was my question? Where's Woods Cove? You know? So they just they said, Well, that beach over there, that's St. Anne's. You go there, you won't get lost, it's just a straight walk, you get down there and you stay there. So I did, and I stayed there for the next six years. Um, no. I came to Laguna Beach in nineteen sixty and never went home well I did go back home in 62 I picked Marilyn up brought her back we were married and we've been here ever since so during that time I developed a sort of a list of things based on the verse that we're dealing with today Luke 2 chapter 12 verse 35 prepare And then do what you're supposed to do. Do what you've been trained to do. So what are the steps that I came up with? First, get good training. Next, practice. Next, get experience. Next, be physically prepared. Mentally prepared. I had a young guy who did all those things. He came here. In the swims, he would swim out to the buoy, swim over to Bird Rock, and swim back. He would be the last kid in the water. He'd be the last one to the buoy. He'd swim in the group over to Bird Rock and back to the buoy and be the first one on the beach. And wouldn't even be breathing hard. He was so fast it was a joke. What was the answer for all that? He was afraid of sharks. (laughs) The guys that were in front would get eaten first. The guys on the outside of the circle they would be the ones eaten. The guy first on the beach was his last, was last choice for the sharks. He's, he lasted about five weeks. He was a great swimmer, afraid of sharks, just hated the water. So, not a good job for him. The last step is to recognize a problem and be able to take action. So, in this whole thing of being alert, you have to know what to be alert about. If you make the wrong assumptions about what you're supposed to be alert about, then everything goes wrong. So that's our message today, is to, what do Christians have to do to be alert? They have to be dressed, they have to be ready. Ephesians 6 says, put on the armor of God. So if you don't know what that is, you should be reading Ephesians 6. The next you should be doing is getting all the training you can from here, and then doing what you're supposed to be doing, and that's what Jay's going to talk about.
0: Yeah, so um, we've talked about the need to be alert in the various issues of our life, but Jesus now is going to talk to us about being spiritually spiritually alert. And I think this is a message for every single one of us, all of us here are being challenged this morning by our passage, by the scriptures, by what Jesus is going to tell us, that you and I need to be spiritually alive, we need to be spiritually awake, we need to be cautious, we need to be sober-minded, especially in the hour that we're living in now, especially in this culture, especially in a time where everything is kind of chaotic and nutty and our faith is being challenged. This is a This is an important passage for us, and it's a... It's a pretty sobering passage, uh, actually, and we're going to get to it right now. Uh, I've got it on our overhead, but it's in Luke 12, uh, 35 to 48, if you want to follow it in your Bible. Uh, Jesus is going to, uh, in this passage, he's going to do, uh, emphasize three things. First of all, the blessing that, that uh, this master in this story, and we want to remember this is a story that Jesus is giving. It's an analogy. He's giving examples that the disciples could understand. He talks about being ready. You must be ready is the drophead uh, in our uh, pew Bibles. And let's start now, and I'm going to comment as we go a little bit. Uh, and um, Dale already mentioned the first part of this verse. Verse 35 of Luke chapter 12. Jesus is doing a whole lot of teaching the past few weeks. And he says, stay dressed for action and keep your lamps burning and be like men who are waiting for their master to come home from the wedding feast so that they may open the door to him at once when he comes and knocks. So the, this parable, this story that Jesus is teaching, he talks about the uh, master of a house uh, who um, is going to be coming home and how the, the servants in the house... Back then, the wealthy would have slaves and servants, usually captured in war or some other thing, and bought and paid for and all of that. Um, And they would would be serving the master. And and in verse 37, we're told that when the master comes and knocks, blessed are those servants whom the master finds awake when he comes. They're alive. They're ready for him to come home. And so he says to them, not only are they blessed, not only is the master happy with them, But something even more, this is how thrilled the master is that his servants are doing such a great job. He says, Truly I say to you, he he will dress himself for service and have them recline at table, and he will come and serve them. So we have this very strong emphasis here on the blessing of those who stay ready spiritually. They're alive spiritually, they are so reminded, they're cautious. They're concerned that their life is, uh, is poised for whatever uh, the master wants. And, of course, for us, we just take that analogy to whatever God wants for us. We're ready, and we are poised. And how happy is this master? Well, so happy that he says to the servants, just sit down at a table. I'm going to serve you. How do you like that? That's kind of a turnaround. That's kind of a switch. All right, verse 38 now, Jesus continues. And he says, if he comes in the second watch or the third, in the Hebrew culture, that would be nine o'clock at night or midnight. If he comes at the second or third watch, in other words, it's late, and maybe they doze off or, or not be alert, and he finds them awake, blessed are those servants. So Jesus is just pouring out the joy of the master in finding those servants um who are serving him that they are th- they, that he's thrilled that they are uh, alive and active and ready for him to come home but know this that if the master of the house had known at what our a uh, thief was coming he would not have left his house to be broken into you also must be ready now here's here's the key verse for you and I uh, what is the what is the main thing that Jesus is saying here why why is it important for us to be ready because Jesus is going to say, you also must be ready. And I, I, and I wish that I could give a, a four underlines under that word in verse 40, must. You must, M-U-S-T. You must be ready, Jesus said, for the Son of Man, that he, speaking of himself, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour that you do not expect. So here we have the gist of the passage here. Jesus is talking about his second coming. He's saying, it's important for you to be ready that when I come, that I don't catch you unaware, you, like you didn't expect me. But he kind of leaves us hanging there and says, well, nobody knows when I am coming. So my wife says to me, but Jay, that, you know, that's 2,000 years ago. Like, he hadn't come yet. But you know, God is timeless. Did you know that? says in Peter that one day is as a thousand years with God and a thousand years is as one day. And so to God, a thousand years, two thousand years is like two days. And Jesus hasn't returned yet, but I guarantee you, I know one day he will be coming and what he's saying to us is will we be ready? But it doesn't really matter whether he comes or not because what? We all should be ready at all times because how many of you know here that life is fragile? Huh? There's no guarantees in life. None. None at all. So, a week ago Saturday, I did a memorial here. Uh, On Friday, two days ago, I did another memorial here. I'm doing a third memorial next Saturday. Like, this is how fragile life is. uh, So, the ages of those that did the, the memorials for, one was 66, one was 52, and the last one is 86. But... We don't know, we just need to be ready. And I think it's really I think it's really smart of God to kind of keep us on our toes. Because there are so many promises and this theme of staying spiritually alert, it is a major theme in the scriptures. You'll find it all throughout the New Testament, over and over. I could find a hundred verses for you, which shows its importance that God is saying to be prepared. Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. And so, the challenge that I'm giving you, the challenge that Jesus is giving us, and that I'm going to ask you right now is how are you doing? How has your life been in God? Have Have you been awake? Have you been spiritually alert? Have you been sober minded? Have you been cautious about your relationship with God? That's a good question for you, and it's an even better question for me. Because, you know, when you preach, you speak to yourself and you teach yourself first. And so I, I'm glad I got this passage because it caused me to assess how am I doing? Uh, am I, have I, you know, there's a verse in the Hebrew that says, Be careful lest you, lest you drift away. You ever seen a little, you ever seen like a like a boat in the water that, that got unmoored, like it just and how it just slowly drifts away? You ever see that? A boat just slowly begins to move. This is what we need to be careful of. And like I said, in this culture, in this hour, never has it been more important for us, and I'll quote this verse again, to fight the good fight, to stay the course and finish the course and keep the faith. And this is the exhortation that I bring to you today, that you and I, we may need to recalibrate ourselves, we, we may need to refocus ourselves, we may need to say, God, I need your help because I have been drifting, or I have been compromising, or I have been straddling the fence, or I haven't been living like the way I want to live. And God says to us, it's important, and the second half of this of this passage, like it's kind of a shocker, you guys, like the of the emphasis that Jesus is going to put on. Here, so let's put up the next rest of the passage. Peter says, well, who are you talking to? (laughs) I love Peter. He's always saying these things like, are you talking to us? (laughs) Peter says, Lord, are you telling this parable for us or for all? And notice the word parable. This is a story. Jesus is making this up to emphasize something. But the words now coming up are going to be pretty, pretty strong words. I'll tell you that for sure. And the Lord said, who then is the faithful and wise manager, the manager of the house, whom his master will set over his household to give them their portion of food at the proper time? Blessed is that servant whom his master will find doing when he comes. And I was thinking of Downton Abbey when I read that verse. And what's the name of the guy that's the head of all the servants? Carson, right? Carson, he was the head of all of the servants, you know. And like they all like uh, you, you better like just be right with Carson. You better be right. You better do it exactly like you're supposed to do it. There, there's no getting around it. You, you, if like if you mess up with Carson, man, you're gone. And uh, and this is what this is what the passage is inferring here, that it's the importance of of this manager uh, taking proper care of all that he's supposed to. In verse 43, blessed is that servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. Truly I say to you, he will set him over all his possessions. So this is the joy of the master finding his manager and taking it down on a human, right where the rubber meets the road level. You and I serve God. And God is just joyful and blessed when we walk with him and we serve him and we're doing what we should be doing and we're not off... Running off into the world in some area that we shouldn't be at at all. Now comes the now Jesus is going to give an example that the disciples would understand for the consequences of not being ready. So I've talked to you about being ready, but there's consequences of not being ready. Verse 45. But uh, you can always like when you read your Bible, when you get to the but part, underline it, or it says therefore. Know that there's a, a complete shift. There's going to be a complete shift now in the language and in the emphasis of the passage. But if that servant says to himself, my master is delaying in coming, begins to beat the male and female servants and to eat and drink and get drunk, the master of that servant will come on a day when he uh, does not expect him, and at an hour he does not know, and will cut him in pieces and put him with the unfaithful. So that is, Jesus is using language here, He's using language here of the highest emphasis. Of course, nobody's going to cut anybody in pieces, but he's, well, Jesus cut the Pharisees in pieces just with his tongue. Amen. <laughs> he, yeah, he says, uh, I don't like self-righteous people. Uh, you look clean on the outside, but you've got dead moans on the inside. And He just like rips them. He just rips them over and over about their hypocrisy. This is why people in the world have a hard time with Christians, because there's too many hypocrites. I've been a hypocrite, I'm a recovering Pharisee I, told you, I think I told you this a couple of weeks ago I'm like getting less self-righteous Hopefully as I get older But I recognize all that thing in me Oh boy I, I, like, to, I like to look good I, you know, I like to be well thought of And all that stuff, that's all like being a Pharisee I should be up here Just preaching for the, in the grace of God Just so fortunate and lucky That I even can say two words together Do you know that all through high school, I couldn't hardly talk? I stuttered so bad that I barely could get through high school. And God just freed me from that when I got saved and called me to speak and teach his word. God is so amazingly good, everybody. He is so good. Even in the toughest, hardest things in life, God is still good. He's always good, all the time. Even when we don't get it, when we don't understand. So, uh, next, uh, uh, oh, I'm sorry. But the one who did not know and did what deserved a beating will receive uh, a light beating. Everyone to whom much was given, of him much will be required. And from him to whom they entrusted much, they will demand the more. And so the key to the passage is the last verse To To those who've been given much, much is required. Well, how much have we been given, everybody? Like God, like in 1971, God took this most rebellious, independent, just weird kid, me, and just like revealed Christ to me and transformed my life. Like he purchased me with his blood. He gave me, he took me out of the kingdom of darkness, transferred me to the kingdom of light, forgave all my sins, gave me a new life, gave me a new wife, gave me a new church, gave me everything. I, how much more can God do for us? He who has life has it more abundantly. The life of Jesus that he gives us, this is why we've been given so much and this is why we need to stay alert and, st- and stay awake. All right, running out of time, we're going to do communion. I'm going to, if, uh, uh, if you could put up the uh, helps, the helps to stay alert, um, Robbie. Uh, keep going. Next one. That one. All right, I'm just going to run through this really quick. This is what I do in my own life to stay alert. This is what I do. Okay, I think some of it may help you. I'm just going to run through it real fast. Number one, to stay alert. First thing in the morning, if you don't do this, you're going to be in trouble. First thing in the morning, don't leave your house in the morning without disciplining yourself to spend time with God. That's the first and most important thing. Or I put here, you can come to our prayer meeting in the morning. And that's an open meeting You can come for five minutes For half an hour For 20 minutes You can just come and pray with us We do We meet every single day Eight to nine Monday through Saturday But don't leave your house in the morning And then the second one Is like the key Do not turn on your iPhone Your iPad Your computer Or your cell phone Because if you do It's a complete setup You're done Your relationship with God is over For that day day. At least for a long time, because you're going to get distracted, and it's a hindrance. It's just a hindrance. Like, do not turn it on, because oh, I know. You know what about these important emails and these texts that I need to I need to read? It's a setup, folks. It's 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 the enemy's way of getting us off course. And I know I've done it many times. <laughs> I'm aware what it means. Number three. A reminder that a prayer list is good. I write four or five things down, like this. I write. Uh, I worship God. Our Father which art, art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. So I worship God. I hallow your name, Lord. And then I say to God every day, Lord, I need you today. I surrender myself anew to you. I want to stay close to you. I set my heart. I recalibrate. I recalibrate. I'm yours. God, I'm yours. I give myself. I yield. I surrender to you. Number four find a comfortable place for your time with God not where you sleep because if you lay down it's over (laughs) it's over so there's lots of places you can go I go into my garage I circle my wife's little convertible and talk to God I walk around my wife's convertible you've heard me say that before but walking on the beach when my house burned In the '93 firestorm here in Laguna, along with 400 other houses, I used to walk walk the beach from Main Beach uh, all the way down to Diamond when the tide was low, or at least as far as Pearl Street. And sometimes I'd go out on the reef there off Pearl Street and sit there when the sun went down. And this was my way of, of working through the loss of everything I ever owned. Walking the beach, or your backyard, or whatever. Number five. Okay, this is really important, you guys. It doesn't work just coming to church. You can't stay alert with God and just come to church on Sunday and think that's all that... Ma- You've got to connect with other believers because your spiritual alertness is, is enhanced and it grows because you connect with other people. So find some place during the week here at Little Church, men's group on Tuesday night, Jeff's new study on Wednesday, Allison has a Bible study on Thursday for the ladies and on Wednesday called Shine, Uh, Chris Lins is starting a new Bible study. Monica Thompson has a Bible study. We have prayer every single morning, six days a week. Find connection during the week. Real personal connection. It will help you immensely to stay alert. Number six, seek to focus on the Lord throughout the day. Uh, And and the verse I'm quoting here is from Colossians chapter 3. Set your mind on God and the things above, not on the things of this world. And this takes effort. It's a battle. It's a battle for me not to turn on the game, you know, and just veggie there in front of the game and just enjoy the game, you know. And it's fine for me to watch the game once in a while, but not to get lost in there and five hours later go, oh, yeah, God, you're there somewhere. <laughs> and then finally, last, find a couple of significant verses that stir you. So God gives me verses that speak to me every so often. And right now, these two verses are the ones. I've quoted one Already, the next uh, slide, Robbie. Two significant verses for me. The first one is 2 Timothy 4, 7. I have fought the good fight. This is Paul writing at the end of his life. I have finished the course. I have kept the faith. I quote that verse over and over. I'm going to fight the good fight. I'm going to stay on course, God. You're going to help me stay on course. And I'm going to keep the faith no matter what. That's the first verse. And the second one is a very well-known verse from Romans Chapter 12, I urge you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present yourselves a living and a holy sacrifice. And the Greek tense there, to present yourselves, means to keep doing it day after day, over and over. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Lord, I present myself to you. I present myself to you again, which is acceptable to God. It's uh, presenting ourselves as a living and holy sacrifice. This is truly the way to worship him. And do not be conformed to this world. So we have the other side of the verse. Present yourself to God, but watch out for the world. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what the will of God is, what the will of the Lord is, that which is good, acceptable, and perfect. And I don't know about you, but I just would really like to walk in the will of God. How many here would like to walk in the will of God? Yeah, this is what you do. You present yourselves to God and he will help you. So my prayer for you, all of you, and prayer for myself, is like I said earlier, we would recalibrate today, September 2nd, 2018. God, I want to stay alert. I want to be sober-minded. I want to be ready. I want my lamp to be burning. God, don't let me get off track. God, you've got to help me, because I'm weak. I've got these issues and, and that issue. But you can do it, God. I give myself to you, and that's what I encourage every single one of you to do. Because this God is so glorious and so amazing. And may you indeed yield your heart and life to him in a fresh and real new way. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.